I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It's coming out! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Then the first pass, and Hello everybody and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey with you here and joining us to chat a little bit about the Ireland squad to face New Zealand, Ireland under 20s and their summer schedule, Leinster's newest signing and anything else that crops up along the course of the conversation is Kieran Kennedy of the 42. Kieran, how are you? Yeah, all good Gav, all good, can't complain. Uh, bit of a strange weekend ahead, I was kind of expecting to be heading along to the RDS or Kingspan for a URC final this time last week but um, it wasn't to be but yeah plenty to talk about anyway. Yeah 42 members will have heard during the week that Manny Leebox conversion against Ulster stranded Darren Cave down in Cape Town for a full week he's down there with RTE he was half planning on a well he was half planning he was returned to uh, attend a final at the RDS or uh, Kingspan as you say but Things have changed very quickly. We might touch upon the URC final towards the end of the show. We did chat about it as well with Darren on Wednesday. He was subbing in for Owen Toulon for the 42 members. Haven't heard from yourself, Kieran, at least in podcast form, on the 40-man Ireland squad to tour New Zealand. What stood out to you about the squad? Like, Were there any major surprises to you or were there any exclusions that you were um, uh, taken aback by, let's say? No, I don't think so. I think I think the most surprising aspect of the squad or the thing that's that stood out the most was maybe just the guys who missed out through injury. Um Ronan Kelleher being the obvious one, a guy who you would imagine would have been starting the test games, and then someone like Robert Balakoon, who we had spoken about just the day beforehand as somebody who could maybe be one of those players on the kind of fringes of the squad who could push their way in towards the test team towards the end of the tour potentially. They were the kind of big losses, I think. But but otherwise, I thought it was a reasonably kind of balanced squad and there wasn't too many surprise inclusions, I didn't think. And, like, you always... When a squad comes out, you always get those same conversations about, you know, why isn't X or Y in? But, like, I think when Andy Farrell sits down with his coaching team to pick to pick a squad, like, you know, I don't think he's sitting there with a pen and paper trying to write down the 40 best players in Ireland at that particular time. Like he's thinking these are the 40 players that provide the right mix for what I want to achieve in this window. So with that in mind, like I'm never expecting to see Ross Burns name there or John Cooney there, or Kieran Marmion there maybe, because we know from previous Scott selections that for whatever reason, Andy Farrell doesn't seem to have them in his plan. So regardless of how they're playing. So at this stage, like I don't think you get too many major surprises in terms of omissions with an Ireland squad. There's maybe one or two, like a Josh Witchley or, or Tom Ahern, that I, I would have liked to have seen go down. But also, like given their age, like they're so young, maybe maybe November is a more realistic time to try bring some guys like that in. Like when when you look at this squad, I actually quite like the balance. Like and but that balance, it's all about how they're used in New Zealand. Like there's experience there, there's youth there. And there are guys who look very promising at provincial level, but we have no idea what they are like at this next level. So like a 40-man squad, it's a big group. And there's like when you kind of get down into the bones, but there's there's a lot of guys you can find out about over the course of these five games. Andy Farrell has made it very clear that Ireland are going down there to try and win this series. Whereas in the past, other countries may have used a summer tour the year before World Cup as a little bit more of a, an experimental phase in their own journey or an opportunity to shuffle the deck a little bit get a look at some of the more fringe players or younger players Ireland will have those opportunities of course against the Mary All Blacks but 
I'm interested by out half, particularly on this tour, just because we already know who our starting out half is for the World Cup, provided he's fit. We pretty much know who the backup is, almost regardless, I would say, at this point of provincial form. It seems as though Joey Carberry is that um, that bona fide backup to Johnny uh, in Andy Farrell's eyes. And the third selection is probably the most contentious in the squad without being unfair to Harry Byrne, just because there are other options there, some of whom have played more than him at out half this season. He had four starts at out half. I think people are blue in the face from talking about that. But I wanted to get your interpretation of that whole situation. And also to extend that, do you think that one of the tests will see, say, Joey Carberry start? Like, or do you think it's three starts with Johnny Sexton in trying to win a series the way Andy Farrell is talking? Yeah, we'll get the Johnny Sexton chat out of the way nice and early. Like the problem, <laughs> the problem is like Johnny Sexton is still streets ahead of ten. We've 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 talked about that enough, but like that that does need to change. And I think everyone will feel a little bit better about the situation if Carberry has a good tour and a solid performance against the All Blacks in one of the tests from the start. And he has to have one of the tests from the start. Like seeing him for 20 or 30 minutes, it's just no good at this stage. Like we need to see him get the starts and play well in those situations. He had a start against France in the Six Nations, but then he didn't really get to build on that. Like he got one minute, I think, against England and seven minutes against Scotland. Like it's just not enough at this stage of his career. Like that 2016 game where he came off the bench against New Zealand in Chicago is is a long, long time ago now. Um it just needs to start happening for him because we can't be wondering about Joey a couple of months out from a World Cup and that World Cup is going to be here before we know it. Like next season is, is just huge from at Munster now in that regard. Like we know he's we know he's the second in line, but he needs to get more opportunities to, I suppose, put the pressure on, on Johnny. But like that comes down to him taking those opportunities when he gets them. Harry Byrne is maybe the most obvious example in the squad of a guy who has done a bit at provincial level but we have, we just don't know what they're going to be like at test level like are there better 10s in Ireland on current form at the moment you'd have to say yes like Billy Burns is playing well Ross Byrne didn't have the strongest end to the season but he's played a lot more rugby than Harry has um, Ben Healy probably had a bit of a mixed season but again played a lot more rugby than Harry has but Andy Farrell clearly seems to think that Harry is the one with the brightest future in this team or the one that fits his kind of desired system or style and um, the best or has the most room for growth so this is the tour where you just hopefully find out what Harry looks like at this level because he's he's only had I think isn't it two caps for Ireland so now I don't know what this tour looks like for him like maybe it's a start against the Mary All Blacks and like a good 20-30 minutes in one of the test games like if he managed that that would be a significant step for him because he's only been capped twice and he's played less than an hour, I think, in total for Ireland. So even just a little bit of exposure over the next couple of weeks will go a long way to rep. And like uh, it would just represent a big step from in his career because like while we all know that Johnny is really firmly established as as the main man, and like we know that Joey is 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 second in line there. We we still don't know enough about the tens behind Joey in terms of being under pressure and getting kind of consistent game time for Ireland yeah and even against the Mary All Blacks you'd imagine Harry Byrne would come under that type of pressure it's like a a pseudo test level environment and it would be fascinating to see how he gets on there I presume that he will start one of those Mary games at least maybe he starts one Cavalry starts the other and Harry gets that 20-30 minutes and you're looking at sort of I don't know 
all in all sort of 80 minutes of almost test rugby under his belt from a tour to New Zealand that'd be a pretty decent return and we certainly would have a better idea when we return to this conversation as we inevitably will as to what that pecking order is like behind Johnny and behind Joey Carberry um I should tell people as well, by the way, that while we're on the topic of Andy Farrell naming a squad for New Zealand, we're gearing up for the Test Series as well, Kieran, at the 42. Gary Doyle is heading down to cover the games. He'll be sending back loads of members-only dispatches throughout the tour, so our members will enjoy special podcasts, analysis from Murray, uh, AMAs, which is Ask Me Anything, I believe, on uh, WhatsApp groups, and loads more. So for the next few days, you can get 50% off an annual membership with this code, the 42NZ. That's T-H-E-4-2-N-Z. All one word. It's exclusive to listeners of this podcast. And you can then get all of our extra offerings over the course of the New Zealand tour, but also all throughout the rugby season. Monday pods with Birch and Murray, Wednesday pods with Owen Tulin, newsletters, loads more across various sports as well. wanted to ask you about Leinster, Kiron and their marquee signing, uh, Charlie Natai. Now, it's a strange one because I think as a Leinster fan, you'd be absolutely justified if you were excited by the prospect of this guy playing for your team. He's a really, really good operator, former All Black. He's done really, really well at all of the clubs he's played for. Um He's got a little bit of athleticism. He's a good playmaker. He just has a bit of everything about him and he would improve the vast majority of teams in the world. I suppose what's interesting about him is that he plays most of his rugby at 12 and you just look at Leinster's midfield and think that's unshakable provided Robbie Henshaw and Gary Ringrose are fit. So when you're bringing in an NIQ player, usually it's to take a starting berth ostensibly. It's like with that in mind to not only improve a squad but to improve a, a starting 15 or a match day 23 and I kind of that's where the the uh, Natoy signing is is interesting to me is that I just find it so hard to see him displacing either of those two players and yet I'm cognizant of the fact that having a guy like him who can also cover a little bit of 15 by the way does make you a better team so I want to know what you actually make of the signing and do you think that phew, it's a good piece of business or would you have preferred to see resources used to strengthen other areas of Leinster's team yeah it's an interesting one isn't it I think when you watch when you watch him play you can you can very easily see him fit into a Leinster team and like he has that bit of kind of attacking class like you can easily see him slot into a Leinster side but again yeah he it's not a position that anybody was really screaming out that Leinster need reinforcement in like I think particularly with the La Rochelle and Bulls defeats recently we've we spent enough time talking about the positions they probably do need to add a bit of strength in. The, the, the interesting thing about this sign is like he's he's a big name and like a, a quality player, and I don't think you sign a guy like that. Um, and also, I don't think a player like that signs for a team if they don't think they're going to be involved in those kind of biggest games of the seasons roll around. Like he's not going to Leinster thinking he's going to play against like the Dragons and Zebra and then just sit on the bench or up in the stands the following week for a Champions Cup game. So so that's the interesting part, I guess. Like, how, how are they going to use him? He he started, I was looking through his season, like he started 21 of his 22 games for Leon this season and nearly all at 12. Like, as you said there, it's hard to see Robbie Henshaw losing his place. So I don't know, is he like an upgrade on a on a Kieran Frawley type player who we were speaking about the last day about how Leinster have looked reluctant to use Frawley off the bench at times this season so so maybe they see him as a more powerful experienced version of that type of player who can 
cover multiple positions and provide a just a bit of a bit of a high quality option off the bench. But the other part of it is like as good as as good as Leinster are across that back line, like do they need somebody to maybe push guys like Henshaw who haven't really had much competition for their place really when you think of it? Like for all the talk we do every week of Leinster's depth, you think of Henshaw, you think of Hugo Keenan, you think of Gary Ringrose, like is anybody really pushing them hard for their jersey? Their strongest 15 when it comes to European Cup rugby is actually got a pretty settled look to it. So maybe that's just something they're trying to bring into the squad, just like another bit of a competitive edge. And and the experience bit is, is interesting too because like press releases around new signings are not often very interesting reading. But there was an interesting line I thought from Leo Cullen in this one where he, he talked about um, coming across him back in 2014 when Cullen visited the Chiefs just before he started his coaching career. And he said like, uh, I have it here. Even as a young man, you could see the influence he had on that Chief squad. And that influence, I think, has only increased over the years with Leon most recently. So that leadership quality he has clearly stayed with Cullen. And it's obviously something he thinks that this Leinster squad could do with now. But um, just to kind of broaden that a bit, I think it's actually an interesting summer for Leinster, particularly with the way their season ended. Like At, at coaching level, you've got Contepomi leaving and Andrew Goodman coming in from the Crusaders. Sean O'Brien replacing Dennis Leamy in that contact skills role. Then in terms of players, like Devin Toner, Sean Crone and Dan Levy all retired. Adam Byrne is moving on. So too Jack Dunn, Rory O'Loughlin, Josh Murphy, Peter Dooley, David Hawkshaw. Like That's a decent amount of turnover. And some of those guys played a fair bit of rugby for Leinster this season. Um, so I don't know, maybe they don't hit that 60-player mark next year and they're trying to just like make it a, a tighter, more competitive squad. Uh, I don't know, but I, I just think it'll be interesting to see how they handle all that change. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one. It'll be interesting to see where he goes, but like at the end of the day, it's a it's a high quality player coming into a high quality team, and like you would think that's only going to strengthen. You would, yeah. I suppose the conversation around other provinces in the past when they've made signings like this is that, say, if you had a Kieran Frawley at Munster and you signed a centre who is vying for his position as well as Robbie Henshaw's, it'd be. Uh, to be described as inhibitive like or prohibitive towards the development of the younger player so um, I wonder does that apply here insofar as Kieran Frawley is actually in an Ireland squad like I think we've we've said on the podcast in the past if you're signing a guy and he's just better than the other player and is better than the other player is probably ever going to be fair enough but Frawley would seem to have enough upside where you'd be kind of thinking god it's a ball ache to have a guy in his way now as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's he's certainly not rubbing his hands together at the at the idea of of, of more competition um, in the squad. I think it, it's a really interesting one. I think Frawley is maybe the one player that we kind of look at across the provinces and just like wonder how like how is this guy not playing more because everybody thinks he's got so much potential and like you can see you can see the potential he has like. Um, and as you say, like he's in an Ireland squad, like is he going to be pushing for a place in an Ireland team against the Mary All Blacks in a few weeks? But but he he's not really getting consistent, like high quality exposure with Leinster. Um, now I don't know how Leinster are going to use Frawley going forward. Like is he going to become a player who plays a lot of URC games, but then just drops out of that European Cup squad? Like he's like you think like he's a better player than that you know he seems to have the quality for european cup rugby um it would be interesting to see if they would be tempted to start using him at 10 a bit more 
it's only a small thing but I always think it's interesting that on the actual Leinster website he's still listed as as a fly half rather than a centre and I, I think he only had one start there for Leinster this season but I think even at Leinster they they have a few kind of I think they're I think they're still pretty open to how they try develop that depth at ten going forward. Like even when you think of it this year, they've had Frawley play a game at ten. They've they've had Harry Byrne play a game at centre, like because even at Leinster, like nobody's really, really pushing Ross Byrne for that position to be, you know, next man up after Johnny. So you would and you would imagine if if they're going to have maybe less um time with some of their island players in the lead up to the World Cup, it's gonna be guys like this who will get more opportunity to kind of push through and get more minutes there it, it is a, it's a really strange one in that regard because like Frawley looks like one of the most talented young players coming through and now he's got a a direct rival in a position where you wouldn't have thought they really needed to strengthen but maybe it like they Leinster have talked about Frawley's versatility a lot maybe it opens him up to trying him in a new position and even like I wonder will Andy Farrell consider something similar in the summer um in New Zealand so yeah I mean there's 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 a lot to kind of scratch your head about around that one but I suppose it's not really going to become clear until we kind of see how they how they start balancing their squad next season Earlier in the week on Monday Birch looked back on Leinster's defeat to the Bulls here is a little sample from that conversation Birch I know you stressed the point on the match coverage and again on off the balls paper review that you feel as though Leinster don't trust their bench or they at least need to start using their bench with uh more to more effect uh, it is a 23-man game as we know and as the cliche is beginning to go now but you say named like Sean Cronin and a few others as barely getting any minutes or no minutes off the bench and really that isn't enough at this level and I suppose the thing is before this game we might have thought they'd get away with that it's just that the Bulls proved otherwise on the day yeah so look I think Lens do a huge amount right and I, and I often say that so um but also when I when I feel that the there's question marks or or, um, or points that you have to make. I have to make them. So, and I don't mind making them, but I'm just so I'm not bagging them off here. And, and they're a great team and still one of the best teams in Europe. But it's amazing if you know they've used 60 players this year. Historically, they always use more than 55. It's the best academy in in Europe. Um, you know, producing in, in lots of internationals. We actually, for some reason, haven't um, been able to have any impact off the bench in the in the key games, right? So, you know, to beat La Rochelle, you know, you would felt you would feel that you know your, your bench is going to have to come on and make an impact, but they they didn't or weren't given the opportunity. Likewise, against the Bulls, okay, they they released Johnny Sexton early ish, and he and he had an impact on the game, um, but. You know, Luke McGrath, um, Sean Crone didn't get any game time. I know Dan Sheen was playing really well, but it's a big ask for your front five to go eighty minutes. Like no one else is is asking their front five um, to go eighty minutes. So Keane Healy got two minutes. I'll give you, and the best example is Joe McCarthy. So, so let, let's not forget that Josh Murphy's had a very good year, right? Um, outstanding against against Connacht, um, not not so long ago. And I know he's leaving to go to, to go to Connacht, right? But um, Devin Toner actually, I thought against Munster looked uh, to be in good shape for a fellow who's retiring um, this month, right? So, and and they made the decision to contract Sean Crone and Devin Toner last year. So when you make that decision, it shouldn't be a testimonial. You know, it, it has to be: Are these two guys <clears throat> going to help us win a European Cup or win a URC? Um, when if they are, um, well then they they have to be able to give 
give you something on the field as well as as well as off it. So, for example, um, the Devon Toner, the Bulls have won the best defensive lineouts in the world, right, and have had for 15 years. It goes back to Victor Matfield. They've always been a team who are very dangerous, right? Leinster are brilliant in terms of their attacking launch off lineout, right? So they won a great ball at the back with Ross Maloney. You know, lovely strike play, puts Larmer away, O'Loughlin in the corner. If Leinster could have got better quality ball, you would have to say they were pretty likely to actually hurt the Bulls, okay? Because they, all, all season they have been brilliant in that, in that aspect. The problem for them was, is that starting um, uh, with JR, with James Ryan and, and Joe McCarthy, um, they didn't have that level of line-out options that, that you probably felt against the Bulls. So was Dev a good option then, right? Was Dev a good option for that game because line-out was going to be key against the best defensive line-out team? Um, against, uh, in, in the European Cup, so Joe McCarthy's being groomed as this, the, you know, the next big thing as a lock. And, and, and I know that he has, hasn't had a huge amount of minutes, um, but against Toulouse, he got four minutes. Against La Rochelle, he got, uh, four minutes and against Leicester he got five minutes off the bench right so is he the impact lock that you're going to need you know what I mean and, and why why is there a lack of trust in him or why is he getting picked ahead of Devon Toner or Josh Murphy or Ryan Baird so Ryan Baird was, was fit to play the week before La, uh, um, La Rochelle and the week before the Bulls um, but didn't play in either in either game and again uh, you know is are they trying to I know Ryan Baird is, you know, uh, there's potentially he's not as as simple to manage as others uh, as other players, but he has the ability. Like I've no doubt against La Rochelle, if Ryan Baird's on that bench, he's on after 55 minutes, or he's certainly on when La Rochelle start to turn the corner and put you under pressure with 20 minutes to go. Why? Because he's a big physical athlete who's played international rugby, who could potentially make a carry or a tackle that changes the, the game, right? And gets you out of, pre- out of pressure. By only bringing Joe on for four minutes and the pressure that put on James Ryan and Ross Maloney in the heat up against a massive pack, it's uh, it's very unusual. It's very unusual when, like even the Bulls, the Bulls who don't have the depth that Leinster apparently have, they took off their front row on, on, on the 60th minute who were playing brilliantly. And they trusted the next guys to come on, and and, and in fairness to them, they they did the job um, for the for the last twenty minutes. So that's something. And again, look at maybe Leinster because Ulster didn't use their bench either right, as well as you would have thought. So Tom O'Toole ends up going down with a cramp uh, in his quad in this in the eightieth minutes, uh, which in fairness to him, he had a massive eighty minutes. And and again, coaches have to go on feel. But I I do think we have to ask, you know, where is that twenty three man game? Um, from a from a Leinster point of view in particular, um, have they not got eight forwards or eight players on the sorry eight players on the bench um, who can come on and 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 trust be trusted to close out the game last twenty minutes uh, or give impact to go chase a game which they're obviously doing against um, against the Bulls and then secondly selection um, like when you lose I think I think you win in Marseille you can take chances selection wise because. You have the tr- you have the big trophy, and if you lose a, a, a URC semi final to the Bulls, it's a blow. But if you've given squad players the opportunity to play, there's no inquest. Um, and but I think once you lose to La Rochelle, it's basically you know you double down. We're going to win the URC. Obviously, the Bulls coming to Dublin, it's hard to see how they can win if you're Leinster 
coach and, and they'll all tell you they respected him and I, and I, and I don't think they, didn't, they disrespected him but unfortunately Johnny Sexton makes Leinster 25% better and that's nothing against Ross or Harry or, or even if Joey Carby was there Johnny Sexton would still make Leinster 25% better and I think you start him you get in control of the match and you let Ross close it out um, in my opinion so just a reminder, it's members.the42.ie if you want to become a member of the 42. And for listeners of this podcast, you can do that for 50% off an annual membership with the code the42NZ. That's T-H-E-4-2-N-Z, all one word. Kieran, you're just off a call for the Ireland 20s ahead of an exciting looking summer for them. How did that go? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I think when we saw this this tournament announced and you see that Ireland are going over to Italy, they're playing... France up first, then South Africa and then England before a playoff game to finish up the tournament. You kind of thought, like, this is great and this is exactly the type of exposure these guys need. This is going to be a great experience. Um, and then, yeah, you hop on a call with Richie Murphy this morning and uh, he tells you that, you know, the squad has been pretty decimated with injuries. <laughs> and um, after all their good work in, like, securing a, a really impressive Grand Slam earlier this year... Um, there's almost been a complete overhaul already and like that kind of comes with the territory at age grade rugby but there are there are a lot of injuries to a lot of key players so I guess the headline ones when you look through the squad are there's, there's no Patrick Campbell and there's no Charlie Tector who was obviously the out half during the Six Nations and there's no Jack Boyle who was you know a really kind of influential player during that campaign as well so now you're looking at this thinking like this is this is a really big ask and there's also a short turnaround between the three pool games so like they're going to have to really dip into their squad and they're going to be doing that with um, 15 players who weren't involved during the Six Nations at all. Um, so they had a great Six Nations, obviously. They won the Grand Slam, but they're going to be up against it here. And you're basically going to have a lot of under-19s players playing against under-20 players. And that one year makes a big difference um, at this level. And just one small thing to note on it. And here again, I'll just reiterate those injuries because we don't know like exactly how many players are ruled out with injury and who just were... Um, kind of overlooked for the squad we don't have a complete list of reasons of x or y but um i just thought it was interesting looking at it like there's no conic players in the squad which is never nice to see always want to see all four provinces represented um and then in a continuation of what we saw in the six nations there there are 10 ulster players involved and nine of them are forwards including the captain reuben crothers so that's an indication of i suppose the good work being done in the ulster academy they seem to have a really good crop of handy young forwards coming through Hasn't always been the case up there, so it's just one to keep an eye on over the next couple of seasons. But um, yeah, it'll be an interesting tournament, and they're going to be up against it. But they were kind of up against it a bit in the in the Six Nations, and they pulled out a few big results. So it'd be interesting to see how they get on. It's like Saved by the Bell, the new class, when they basically continued the show, but only like Screech and a few of the other guys were hanging around still. Or like Scrub Season 9, you know, same show, different cast. I hope it goes better than the two of those, I have to say. Kieran, thanks a million for that. Thanks a lot, Gav. Thanks to everybody at home for tuning in. Reminder, uh, it's the 42NZ. To get a 50% discount on <laughs> 42 membership, Kieran, you can barely look at me. This is tough going. I'm going to sign off. Take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year. I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is coming on! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, oh!